When's the last time you were able to network with your peers in the healthcare industry? Well, now is your chance. Join us this April with over a thousand executives at Becker's 13th annual meeting to hear C-suite discussions around consumerism, the nursing workforce, value-based care, and a lot more. You can register using the link in the description. We hope to see you there. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Rob Setti, president of Care Allies. Rob, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Laura, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to Beckers and uh, also excited about the upcoming conference here, first week of April, um, on the 13th annual conference. So, so um, pleasure being here and appreciate uh, having me. Absolutely. And we're excited that you'll be able to be at the event and sharing your perspective and expertise. I know there are so many different executives and healthcare leaders there. It's really going to be a fun, uh, fun discussions that we're going to have shaping the future of healthcare. So we're looking forward to it as well. Agree. Now, before we dive into the broader questions, um, can we take a step back and could you introduce yourself a little bit and tell us a little bit about your experience in healthcare and how that led to your current role? What really inspired you to focus on this particular area of healthcare? Sure. So, so as you mentioned, Rob Setti, president of Care Allies. Um, just, just background on Care Allies real quick. We bring people and technology to doctors to enable success in value-based care and full risk agreements. So, so whether those agreements are with health plans or with CMS programs, being successful in, in today's environment is difficult, and we help enable that success. Um, today, we serve almost 7,000 physicians, um, nearly 500,000 patients, and cover 10 states with our footprint. So, so um, it, it's a very fun environment, very fun industry. Um, specifically, the success we've had goes back nearly two decades. And, and as far as why I'm in it, what, what particularly uh, drove me to it, I have 22 years experience in healthcare, including hospitals prior to coming in. But the reason I love this space is at the end of the day, uh, a physician really approaches um, their, their job, not, not as a job, but, but actually as a mission. Anybody who gets to work with doctors day in, day out, truly, you're serving people that serve patients. Um, It's quite the honor, and and I'm very privileged to be in the role that we're in, and and it's very exciting to see changes along the horizon coming at us and also um, working with them day to day to improve patient outcomes. Absolutely. And that is so inspiring, especially as you mentioned. I know so many of the physicians I speak to on a regular basis just really have the patient in mind and such a passion for healthcare, which is a very needed service in the United States today. So um, we're glad to have you supporting them and really just such an important mission. Now, over the next two to three years, what do you see as being the biggest opportunities for innovation or the evolution of healthcare providers and what will they face? Are these opportunities different? for independent or hospital providers? I, I love that love that question at the end there. Um, there is a difference actually. I would say really, if I think about innovation, I think of it across two stakeholders for a second. The, the first one is the patient themselves. What are we innovating to improve patient's care over the next two to three years? And th- there's definitely a lot of buzz around pharmaceuticals, biosimilars, emerging technologies that can be used in the home. But but I actually think one of the most important things we can do over the next two years, next three years, is actually remove existing barriers to care. And that's one of the things we've been working on for the last three to four years 
And not only is there a return on investment on it, but there's a real practicality as things are getting harder and harder for seniors in the United States. And when I say harder and harder, fixed incomes lead to socioeconomic barriers. We still have race. We still have um, language barriers. Um, we still have healthcare literacy barriers um, that are in place with these seniors that are quite honestly have comorbidities and frailty that put them at great risk for death, great risk for chronic disease um, uh, exacerbation. And really, what can we do to help? Um, I see a lot of innovation happening to break down these barriers, some of which we inside Care Allies have actually helped lead to the market around SDOH type of programs, helping people understand there are community resources helping people understand there are transportation benefits available to them so that they can get from point A to point B, helping people understand what does it mean to have your prescription refilled. These are things that are really at the stakeholder of the patient, super important. And I think over the next two to three years, we can unlock amazing potential on that. And, and we have yet to even really tap into the full potential there. Um, the second area I would focus in on is the physician themselves. Um, I, I don't think you're going to find a doctor, whether they're in the hospital <laughs> or, or or in the independent world, um, that quite honestly just doesn't have significant operational burden. It, it's it's become a major um, item to, to keep a practice open. So so when you're on the independent side, I often say look at today's physician versus even in the 1970s. Uh, you, you don't have to go back to the 1800s when people were doing house calls. Just compare them to the 70s and 80s. Um, today, these independent physicians need to have a digital presence, need to have an online presence. Um, they, they need to um, create an experience for customers. Um, oh, by the way, they still need to figure out health, <laughs> and, and they also need to deal with more comorbidities and conflicts than they ever have in their um, entire career because people are living longer and having uh, different medications and, and conditions at a pace that has never been seen in our society. Um, you, you just look at that and go, how does a physician keep all that and, and keep all those balls juggled in the air? On a hospital side, there, there's still tremendous pressure within a hospital system related to productivity, related to staffing, um, related to economics, that as an employed physician is still causing a tremendous amount of uh, stress. And, and whether you're independent or employed, um, what, what, what seems to be prevalent for all of us to deal with is the number of physicians retiring is still outpacing those entering. And, and so we, we, we truly need to figure out a way to bring joy back to the provider's life and simplify what they do. And that's one of the things we concentrate wholly on when we talk about bringing value-based care um, to, to physicians. And ultimately, we, we concentrate heavily on removing those barriers to engagement for, for, the, for our customers and patients. 
Absolutely. I love that. And it makes so much sense when you think through, you know, how healthcare can really be a better system, both for the, the providers as well as patients in delivering care, um, really to have that leveraged in, in making sure um, the technology is supportive of the workforce, as well as doing what needs to be done to get the patients the best care possible. Now, I'm wondering too, what role do you see collaboration playing in the success of healthcare going forward? Collaboration is huge. Um, there's just not enough for any single entity to figure out how to build and buy it on their own. Um, no, nobody has a expertise all on their own to be successful. But, so collaboration really is the key um, to the next phase of unlocking um, value, unlocking efficiency in, in the world tomorrow. Um, I'll, I'll replay SDOH for you at a patient level for a second to kind of paint a picture. Um, we had an individual in South Texas, uh, a patient that, that ultimately was identified as at risk. They, they were hitting the uh, emergency room a couple times in the last year. Um, we, we, we identified the medications weren't being adhered to and, and prescribed. And ultimately, we had also identified that they were at risk for a fall. Unfortunately, we did not intervene before the fall actually occurred. They, they ended up falling in their home, admitting to the hospital. And it was during the transition of care from the hospital back to the physician, we were able to really unlock what, what, what was going on and, and, and unlocking took collaboration. We, we had to really understand why, why were medications not being adhered? Why, why were they deteriorating instead of improving on health outcome? And really what it came down to is the senior that was involved um, was choosing to put food on the table for their caregiver with their social security check. And they believed filling a prescription was gonna cost them money. It was underneath their plan. They believed seeing an, uh, 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 the physician regularly um, other than just annually was going to result in a copay that they couldn't afford. Um, they, they did not have access to durable medical equipment, et cetera. What we ended up doing was surrounding them with a bunch of community programs with collaboration with churches, collaboration with not-for-profits, collaboration with the health plan that carried that patient's benefits. Um, and, and really what ended up happening at the end of this was a person received a walker in their home, received meals on wheels for themselves and the caregiver, re received drug price relief through through programs that were available directly with the manufacturer. Um, and ultimately what we ended up with was a person who's now adherent, a person who's now able to improve their health outcome. And, and all that is in collaboration. That there, There's no way that could have been unlocked by the physician by themselves. There's no way we could have unlocked it by care allies, by ourselves. It, you, you have to bring together resources capabilities, including health plan and patient and provider collaboration, not, not, not just collaboration across things that will reduce the cost um, and, and allow members to get from point A to point B. It, it, it's truly a good time. And what I really like about today's conversation up on Capitol Hill is they're, they're looking at inequities and they're looking at social determinants of health and people are now understanding that this has tremendous potential for improving the health and well-being of, of patients. So, so it, it, it's nothing but the next phase of 
um, success as far as I'm concerned. And it's really important that, that we, worked, we work across non-traditional lines to figure out that solution. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. You know, and it's really encouraging to hear how much collaboration is happening and, and the potential for people to work together to really truly uh, serve the communities well. And as we look ahead to the future of healthcare, what developments or innovations are you most excited about? Um, I already spoke a little bit about uh, SDOH, social determinants of health, breaking down uh, barriers to care and engagement at, at a uh, person, at a patient level. Um, what I'd say is, I think a lot of people just assume uh, innovation has to be dramatic, right? Um, it, it, it has to be complete changing. Let, let's get an app for this or an app for that. Um, let's, let's try to get artificial intelligence to do something. I don't want to take away that it's really hard, <laughs> extremely hard to, to understand what's going on, for, uh, for a doctor to understand what's going on outside their four walls of their practice. And sometimes innovation can be small eyes, not just big eyes, um, when, when you spell the word innovation. And I'll, I'll give you a, a, an example of that. Um, we, we have a Medicare adherence tracker that we've implemented across several, of our, several thousand of our physicians. And it's a simple, simple tool. It's driven by population health analytics on the backsides of big data, um, but it's a very simple piece of paper. It's a simple PDF that we can attach um, to, to a medical record so that the doctor can stay inside their native environment. But, but that simple tool helps the doctor understand which physician, which uh, medications are being prescribed and which uh, medications are being filled. That, that little item helps identify, is somebody being a compliant? Um, is somebody being um, uh, engaged in, in the treatment plan that the physician thought the patient was uh, following? Um, it, it, it's changing lives. And, and, and we're talking about a very simple, simple process. And, and the more we simplify solutions, embed them within the workflows of the doctors, the more we have an opportunity to actually change the outcomes of the patients that are having these engagement issues. That's outstanding to hear. And really, I know so many hospital and health system executives and, and health plan executives and everybody in healthcare has that social determinants of health in mind and you know, really trying to figure out that component of how do they care for people who need it most, um, but with the least resources to actually receive care and, and um, really make sure that communities are getting what they need. So um, that's really awesome to hear that you are able to do that and is something that I'm sure many organizations will be looking forward to. Now, in order to be successful in this ever-changing healthcare landscape, what qualities do you think that healthcare leaders will need to possess over the next two to three years to really uh, make sure their organizations are staying ahead um, and really adapting to the changes and looking ahead too so that they're prepared for whatever comes next? Um, I, honestly, I think that number one uh, we kind of hit on, which is collaboration and, and a collaboration mindset is difficult. Um, you're, you're actually needing to align with others <laughs> um, instead of direct others. Um, that, that, that ability to collaborate is, 
is a real art and a real skill set to, to what I think differentiates uh, clinical leadership um, in, in the next decade. Um, the, the other thing I'd add to that is just transparency um, and willingness to embrace innovation. Um, and innovation, as I said before, is across multiple fronts. It, it's, it's not, it's not going to be limited to how we collaborate. It's not going to be limited to how your EMR looks. Um, there is a massive innovation front coming at us around the drug pipelines, the biosimilars, um, pharmaceutical realities um, that, that can change people's lives but also can potentially exacerbate um, our affordability issues. Um, so so re really it's going to take a mindset that, that is open to, to change. And, and I think that comes through collaboration, innovation, and transparency. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. You know, it's really helpful to know and think about, especially for the leaders who are listening to this podcast. And before we wrap up this uh, episode, I have just one more question for you. How can healthcare leaders stay ahead of the curve when it comes to adapting new technologies, regulations, as well as patient needs? Huh. There's a lot heading at uh, uh, our doctors and clinical leadership right now across all those fronts. I'd say biggest thing is um, make sure you're staying connected with industry happenings. I, I'm always shocked that some clinical leaders receive their pharmaceutical updates from the rep that comes into the office. Um, I, I'm always shocked with how, how informal news and, and happenings make their way to um, some of the best clinical leaders. I, I, I would say formally tap into happenings that are occurring at an industry level so, so that they understand what's happening up on Capitol Hill, what's happening with CMS, what's happening in value-based care. And, and a lot of that relates to work with those that are in it, network with those that are living it, and, and also stay attuned to industry leaders, um, including Beckers, um, that, that help aggregate leadership that has similar issues. We, we, we have great opportunity in front of us. We don't just have risk. And ultimately, if we're aware of how the landscape is unfolding, that there's tremendous opportunity to change lives. And I, that, that comes full circle back to the opening. It's why it's a pleasure to work with doctors. They're, they're very much interested in always taking it a step forward. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Well, Rob, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast today. This has been a fun conversation, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you very much, Laura.